Welcome to Reinventing Education, a podcast for teachers, parents, and students who desire to reinvent education in order to better serve individuals, society, and our world. Perspectives, practices, and new ideas. I'm Rob McLeod. Armin Sieber of the Integrale Tagesschule Winterthur in Switzerland listens for and responds to new ways of facilitation. He serves learners and supports personal as well as organizational growth. Together with a team of highly committed teachers and staff members at Integrale Tagesschule, he is on the journey to explore what future-oriented, development-rooted, teal-inspired education might look like. We discuss the unique structure of the school, the imagined barrier of school life versus real life for students, and how structures within a school can be adapted and modified to best meet needs that the students have. Links to the Integrale Tagesschule's website can be found in the show's description, but more importantly, Armin has curated a series of resources and PDFs for you to explore. The link to those files, a Dropbox link, can be found in the show's description as well. Enjoy. I guess, first of all, Armin, I just want to say thank you very much for joining Brennan and I this morning. Nice to be with you. Um, there's a lot of different threads I want to follow up with you to introduce the idea of what uh, makes your school so unique. Um, we had crossed paths recently in Hungary, and it felt like when you were describing the student-teacher ratio at the school, it seemed like everyone assumed they must be mishearing you. So before we get into some of the philosophy and the relationships, maybe could you introduce us to the student-teacher ratio, which makes your school so unique? Well, we are a rather small school with about uh, 30 to 35 students. It's a secondary school, so, so um, grades seven to 10. Um, with the 30 to 35 students, we have about um, 25 people on, in the staff. So it's not all uh, our teachers. There are some, some members of support team, but um, it's quite, quite a huge number. Um, that makes people really go, well, that's not possible. <laughs> But it's linked to the fact that no one is allowed to to work uh, full time in our school, as well. And it seems like the school had a real evolution from maybe where it intended to start from, or what it maybe intended to serve from, and what it's become. So maybe you can describe, like in two thousand eighteen, who are the students who are coming to your school? Who are the parents who are attracted to your school? Mm. Um, if you if you send your 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 child to to a private school, then there are reasons because you have to pay for for a private school. If everything works out fine, uh, then the there are mainly no reasons to to send send your your child to to our school. So um, we, as the school is a unique one, maybe. We are a place where unique students meet. Students, children that do not fit uh, into the system of public school or the public sp 
cool system does not fit to, to the students. So there, there are always reasons and the reasons vary uh, very broadly. So maybe there are high achievers um, who are not able to, to show their abilities. Uh, maybe there are these uh, three or four, four letter students, ADHD, ADD students, maybe it's um, Asperger's syndrome. In the last couple of years, more and more students coming from, from stationary psychiatric institutions um, find a way in our school to, to re-enter um, what others would call a normal life. So, so it, it became more and more complex in the last couple of years with, with the bandwidth of, of people we, we try to deal with. Mm. Yeah, and it, it seems like your school, from what I've heard you say, um, finds ways to really stretch across that bandwidth. And it seems like, would, can you give us a sense of what are some of the challenges to find such a differentiated approach? Because it sounds like you as the school, you as the system is the really flexible entity here to meet where the students are at. Mm -hmm. So maybe in saying yes to that, every human being has the right to be the person he or she is at the moment. Uh, then this is the starting point for, for a learning organization because you don't know ahead what you will be confronted with. And where we became a learning organization where, where the first um, bullying traumatized uh, student or family because um, the, a solution focused approach didn't, didn't match. So, so we, we got into nonviolent communication. The first Asperger syndrome student brought us into, into spiral dynamics integral in order to understand and to com communicate uh, accordingly. Um, now we have borderline diagnosed uh, adolescents. And again, uh, here the, the integral in approach is very much helping. Um, to see what kind of framework can we build and, uh, and invent in order to, to accommodate these students. Yeah, I really get the sense that you're really meeting them where they're at now. Um, one of the kind of themes we've begun to explore on this podcast is the idea that school seems to, or at least conventional school, has the agenda of helping students get ready for the workforce, helping them get ready for citizenry, helping them at times to get ready to navigate their own lives. Um, could you speak to any of those, how you're meeting the students now in school and ensuring it's a, a rewarding experience and a meaningful and an impactful experience and transforming them and how you see the school is getting them ready for either the next stages of school or for life in broader society? Mm -hmm. Maybe one of the first, first steps in our school is to unlearn what you think, who you are. So if you were not successful for, for seven, eight years during your school career, um, 
is not really helping to, to look forward to, to, to the next steps towards the future. So unlearning um, sentences like, oh, you know, I'm not good at school and please don't take it personally. It, there's no sense in explaining something to me. So helping or, or um, facilitating a, a change of, of your own mindset uh, is often the, the first step. And well, if, if you go to the law, if we go to the last step of, of what is our aim or goal, so, so we try to prepare um, our students for a more and more complex world, which we don't know how it will look like. So we are trying to prepare our students for their future and not for our past. Um, and that means we, we are always um, uh, I'm not sure, just uh, good enough for now, our decisions and, and we, we have to correct uh, when we find out this is not helpful. And therefore we include the students as well as, as competent members of, of our team when, when we take decisions, how to change the school or what to learn. Yeah, can you give us a glimpse into how student voice impacts the school itself? Well, as an organization, we, for a couple of years now, we, we, uh, we try to, to become more and more sociocratic as, a, as an organization. So sociocracy 3.0 is, is now um, not completely installed, but, but mainly. So, so we have circles um, where, where it comes to, to learning or uh, planning of events. And we have one... Um, inner circle of the students, which is called Solution League. And um, the Solution League is, is um, participating in, in questions of school development uh, together with the, the whole circle of, of staff members and including um, board members. So, so they have a voice uh, in uh, even as, as important as all the other voices have so in our organization. So, and they learn how to, how these processes go, how the circle meetings go, and, and they take over responsibility for these circles. I don't know a lot about the, the actual structure you were talking about there, or the, the kind of approach to these kinds of meetings, but what I find really interesting there is that there is a system in place to support the students in engaging with the school. And it sounds like, from what I'm picking up on what you're saying, it's sort of like you guys are working as um, coaches or like master magicians, just finding the, the right system that would serve the right needs to, to make this an authentic experience for the students or have them, have them take authentic action, but yet still supporting them in being able to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, a couple of years ago, about 10 or 12 years ago, I'm, I spent my summer holidays in, in trying to find a new, um, new 
way of operation of the school because it, it was so challenging at that time. And I came up, I had very clear ideas how it will work. That was the last time I thought that um, it's possible to have uh, as a single human being an idea how it works when, when you work together with others. And um, now the idea is that as a learning organization, we everyone has a say and um, there's no, no right and wrong in, in black and white anymore. So human beings are uh, fascinatingly complex <laughs> and sometimes it's enough to have one human being to be fascinatingly complex. <laughs> I'd love to get a sense of like the nuts and bolts of this because everything you're saying, it's like lighting up my interest in sort of the integral or teal or developmental kind of value. But can you give us a sense of what a school day or a school week or a month might look like for some children? I'm already getting the sense that it's not going to look the same for everybody, but if, if you were to walk someone through a day of what a, a child is coming in contact with at your school in mm -hmm. terms of activities or relationships, what does that look like? Well, first of all, we, 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 today we, we speak of adaptive intelligence as, as the, the driving force of, of the framework. So it depends on who you are. So, so if uh, we, we developed some uh, some shortcuts of spiral dynamics. So in, in our school, all students are introduced to, to the model of spiral dynamics and uh, we can speak in short terms of, of the colors. Uh, we, we developed symbols for, for the levels. And it's a, everyone knows that n no human being is blue or, or orange or green or whatever color. So, so we are always a, a mixture and the circumstances, the, the context uh, and, and defines more or less what is the appropriate framework. So there are students in, in adolescence that, that need uh, quite a firm uh, framework of, of blue orange. So if you are a student and we, we call it this as basic learners, uh, if you if you see yourself as a student, as a basic learner, and you say, yes, it's helpful for me if you are very strict and you, you tell me what I have to do and you give me feedback on uh, if my progress is, is okay enough for the moment. So you, so you will have a teacher that, that acts like this. So um, uh, in our days, so, so we start our, our, our lessons in, in the morning at 20 to 9. But you can come to school from half past eight on. There's always someone there. So if you if you would like to, to prepare something, uh, or if you just like to chat with other students, you, you come over. So it's floating uh, in the mornings. Um, as a student, you are a part of a, a, a team. It's not. We do not have classes where the. So it's it. It's a mixture of uh, abilities and, and ages. So it's learning together, learning from one another, and uh, stepping ahead. So at 
20 to 9, there's um, still some, some um, schedule. So, you know, um, for the next two hours, I, I will study mainly French or math or something like that. And um, according to, to your prefer learning and preferences, you, you, you might be in a different math class. So mathematics, we, we experience is, is somehow different than other subjects. In math, we, we differentiate the, the learning types or the experiences. Uh, of the students, so if you are really not sure if you are, if you appreciate if there is more or less a one-on-one -on -one, uh, kind of teaching, then this is one one um, group of learning of math, which doesn't mean you you can't. It's not the question of the level of math you are working at. It's just the way how you you gain security and the, uh, and you feel safe in, in, in trying out things that you never did before. Then we have a group that, that likes to, to go to school uh, in brackets. So, so you have a teacher that tells you what to do and there's a blackboard even and uh, exercises all, all do together. That's the, more or less the only part where in our school where, where school happens that way. But you can choose for that because some students feel safe in that environment. Then we have the self-learner group. So if, if you are more or less uh, one and that says, okay, please, um, let me do it. But if I get stuck, I'm, I'm really happy if there's someone to support me. There's the coach, uh, but don't, don't give me the solution. Just give me a hint because I want to be proud of myself <laughs> after. And then the final group is, um, I'd like to, to study um, science and math in a com complex environment. So, so maybe you will design um, a house and, and you do the, all the calculations and, and in, a, in a very big project. And sometimes you find out, oh, in order to, to make these kind of calculations, we need more input and maybe you work with Khan Academy or something else, or the teacher is allowed to, to give uh, helpful hints how, how to solve the problem. So the, these are the four groups and, and uh, they're open. It's not... Um, oh, you start in this group, then you will stay in this group. You're invited to see, well, maybe the other group now is, is the better place for you to learn math. Um, this is the, the most detailed uh, way how I can describe that we, we try to be adaptive. And we include the students to, to find out what is helping them in order to, to learn and, and, and go forward. And in a, in, a, in a smaller scale, this happens in, in, in all the subjects. And the rather cognitive subjects are in the mornings. And since the founder of the school said this school has to have a, a special focus on expressive arts, so all the afternoons are, uh, well, the afternoons where, where the students come to school uh, are focused on expressive arts. Mm. And there are afternoons students don't come to school? 
Um, on Wednesday afternoons, uh, they can come to school, but um, usually the adults are alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And is that specific to the school, or I'm assuming that's in a part of the Switzerland school system? That's, that's the Swiss style, so so that they can can uh, spend time together with their friends from other schools, for, which is important as well. Mm-hmm. That's such a adaptive system to meet each individual student and their learning style and their needs within a subject. I'm really curious about all of these staff members you have, if there's a common thread between the kinds of people you attract in terms of staff, or if there's beliefs about teaching that the, the staff at the school has, could you, could you give us any insight to what I'm assuming is a pretty incredible group of people to work with? Mm-hmm. Well, it's really fascinating. In the beginning, um, well, if, if you if you have a school that develops into uh, these these approaches, uh, you you go through a very green phase. So we we have been a very green school as well. And in a green school, um, you would like to have green teachers um, doing green things uh, and. That was not helpful. So, and we experienced that. Um, what what was not helpful about that? And for some of our listeners, we've thrown out the word green, or we've used the word sensitivity. But just out of okay. curiosity, what what was not serving the school from that place? What issue um, did you run into? Well, if connection um, and harmony is is imperative. You, you avoid conflict, you avoid um, um, strict rules, um, and, and therefore uh, the students really liked coming to our school, but the learning part, the, the progress part, was, was not meeting the standards uh, we had, or the expectations of the parents as well. Um, and it's not either or and the next step was to to include and transcend the the important parts that that we should have live or walk our talk as as adults as well so if we have a diverse team it's easier to to uh, well, to, to facilitate uh, a constructive way to deal with diversity for the students as well. So, so now I, I think we have the common thread in, in, in our team members is that they are fascinating, fascinated by, by, by the fact of their own personal growing and the collective growing and to support grow, growth in, in, in the students. But they come from from different uh, approaches or aspects or, or portfolios, well, whatever. It's not the goal that everyone uh, works the same way. Uh, when we have someone new come come to our school, they spend two three days at our school. They work together with us, and they don't have to to bring along already the the trainings we expect them to have after two or three years, but they 
they should have the the motivation or the longing for for their own growth to to get into it and to to feel interested and not overwhelmed and to to start learning be learners themselves and and in order to have this kind of uh, learning organizations we need to Adults, we need uh, staff members that like to learn, love to learn themselves. Yeah, I think. And maybe just to clarify, what does it mean for a school to be a learning organization? <laughs> what does it mean? Um, maybe it's learning how to listen and not to know. So schools or, or teachers are trained to know the answers and we unlearn that, start learning questions. That's the, the solution-focused approach, uh, which was the, uh, the starting point for, for our school when I came to this school. So the client is the expert. So when the, the student is the expert. So if you as a teacher are not the expert, what's your role? And, and then it becomes very interesting and uh, challenging. So, so you ask questions. What kind of learning is best for you? If you remember all, all along your way. Okay, how could we do more of that? And not, I exactly know what you need. That's like a fractal in, in a one-on-one -on -one, uh, encounter. And, and if you just zoom it out as, as a whole organization, it's the same not knowing but but asking questions and finding out what ways work and do more of it and if it doesn't work do less what does a staff meeting look like at the integral at tagashula um interesting um as we are this kind of organization that we are and I may have the title of headmaster or principal for the outside world because the outside world is not yet able to deal with the sociocratic organization. So all I know is I'm, I, I am not responsible for the staff meeting. So I'm, I know when it starts and we are there. And uh, the person who, who, who is in... In, in a position of energy who, who thinks now um, I feel like I will be the appropriate person to, to, to lead the, the staff meeting is starting. We are working with, a, with an online platform called Trello. You, you might be familiar with it. So, so um, all the circles, the student circles, the, the, the teacher circles can, can um, write some some uh, inputs for for the agenda, and uh, you will see in the first part you you will see all all, all the staff members were with computers or, or tablets in front of them, because the person who, who is leading the uh, the meeting is now um, attributing time for for what we call um, online discussion and information. So. We, we do not give everyone a, a 
uh, we don't read the information for everyone, so we we think they they are able to read. <laughs> so first first part is read read the online information. Second part is um, now go to the online discussions, and this is a very strict time frame. Um, if we need more time because it's more complicated than we thought, so so we have five more minutes for for the online. Uh, discussion and you see everyone contributing to the discussion so this changes while while writing and then we we decide what of the the online um, discussions do we take into our meeting to discuss uh, together uh, and sometimes there are some topics that that are clearly and exclusively for for uh, um, live discussion um, and what is one of the, the most impressive parts in our staff meeting is the, the final part. So when, when people come, come and, and, and uh, want to, to know how, how we function, this last part is, is oftentimes very, very touching for them because the last part we call it the diamond round. So, um, Teachers are invited to share what they observed, what is really uh, functioning, or where the resources are, where progress happens. And uh, this is um, just something then, if you listen to someone else talking about what, what successes he or she was able to observe, then, then you, your mind starts uh, uh, scanning your, your observations and, and we, we finish our, our staff meeting, which we have every week for um, at least one and a half hours. So the last quarter of an hour is uh, just exchange of success stories, not our success stories, but, but observations of success stories. And you leave the, the staff meeting uh, energized because, wow, I wouldn't have thought this, this, this could be possible with that student. And this is really a, a difference uh, when I compare it to, to what uh, staff meetings in, in public school meant for me. Yeah, can you give us just a small glimpse, maybe what are some of the biggest differences you've seen having had a public school experience or I'm assuming a teaching experience there versus what's happening here. It sounds like you're in two alternate universes from where you were once to where you are now. Yes, that's, that's for sure. Uh, I, I think um, being a teacher is, is really challenging and you have high expectations in yourself. You want to do a good job. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a teacher, I suppose. And it's so uh, shaky because uh, there's something happening during recess and, and your, your whole planning is, is grounded afterwards and you don't know why. You're not used to ask why. 
is it not functioning the, the way I planned it? So you have some, sometimes I experienced in myself, you have three options. And one option is uh, I wasn't prepared enough. The second option is these are not the students I really need in order to be successful. Please change the students. And the third option is um, these are the wrong parents because if they were, would be the right parents, uh, so option one is not very helpful for me, so it's option two and three. And then I talk about these. I, I talk about the students that, that are not doing what I want them to do. And other teachers are so happy to join in because they have the same problems and difficulties and challenges. And 80 to 95% of the time, we're talking about things that are not successful and it takes a lot of energy. And that was one of the parts where when I came into this school, it was the same. 90% of the time talking about things that are not functioning. So I invented a tool or a process uh, in order to change the, the attention and the focus. And that was 18 years ago. And now it, it's, it's, such, it's part of the uh, natural culture in the, in the school to focus as well on, on what, what is functioning, what is helpful. I don't know if every teacher who's listening to this right now was just doing that same head nodding, but I, I feel you just hit the core of, I think, the largest uh, challenges for teachers when we shift the idea from, yeah, I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But yeah, it's these kids and the parents and, and you know, the administrator and a few of the other teachers here, maybe too, that, yeah, they're just really screwing up for my ability to be successful in doing what I already know I mm -hmm. need to do. I think you've just hit a huge piece of the puzzle there. Mm -hmm. hmm. um, one last thing, Brendan, hop in at any time, but um, sure. the one last element that I wanted to make sure we addressed from your talk when I heard you in Hungary at the um, Integral European Conference was your inclusion of students, which you've already addressed in terms of the organization and the running of the school, but also the inclusion of the students in every aspect of the school and not just lip service. Um, and I mean that especially with the creative endeavors, um, like the school website, I noticed you have student art featured there, uh, the marketing materials come through student input, maybe just as one last bit before Brennan hops into the discussion here, could you just, why is that important? Why is that important to have the students' creative contributions play such a central role in the look of the school? Maybe it's not mainly uh, the result and, and uh, the showing uh, of it, but it's, it's the importance of uh, um, including students in, in their personal growth with the, their ex, uh, abilities the possibilities to express themselves in arts. And sometimes uh, fascinating things happen in arts. And you, you see the, the signs of change. Uh, 
fundamental change in arts first and slowly slowly afterwards you see it in the whole person so so i think um, expressive arts is, is still one uh, an important part in our school so if it is important to to see uh, the results of, of of their journeys we we, we do it as a showcase and, and at the same time uh, it's important for them that they uh, they feel like responsible for, for, for what is what is shown uh, for um, from what it what is seen from the outside and, and they are really loyal to our school they they, they appreciate going out and uh, um, sometimes uh, challenging teachers when when they go to to some uh, uh, when they are able to to explain how we work and, and they come back and are proud of themselves and they are proud of what we are doing because if you are in our school you you, you may lose the the ability as, as an adolescent to 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 see what are we doing here it's so different. This is not a normal school. In an appreciative way, students say, this is more than school, this is like life. What are we doing here? And some others say, um, it, it's just puzzling what we are doing. And they're longing for, for, for more schoolish uh, behavior from, from us, from, from the adolescents in the beginning. But when they go, when when they are part of how is the school seen from outside, they they are they are more more connected to, to what what we do together. Yeah, that, I, I was going to just jump in there because my one of my questions is very similar to that. Almost almost the flip. I was really interested in how you negotiate the limits of that sociocratic kind of space um, in terms of the fact that some of the people there will be just more experienced with education some people are older and possibly more developed in different ways and I was just wondering if there were any obvious challenges in that negotiation of um, of, of trying to live a, a, a genuine sociocratic kind of uh, life within the organization? Mm -hmm. Maybe to, I, I don't think you can be a sociocratic organization. It, it's a, it's an permanent becoming and therefore it's a journey. And uh, if it's a journey, it's it, no matter where you join the journey, so, so this is fascinating to, 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 to take this journey together with, with the students, with the parents, with the board members. Um, no one has experience in, in doing that. So it, it's new to all of us, including myself. And I think um, as a teacher, I, I always thought I'm and the best teacher in me when I'm not needed anymore. So if students 
really take the, this attitude of uh, and and this belief in themselves that that they can learn and grow. And as in my role as a head teacher or headmaster, um, I didn't forget that. And but I was for for years I was not able to to be a good headmaster in terms of I'm not important anymore because the intelligence or the, the knowledge and the wisdom is within the system and not within a person. And with a sociocratic approach, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see that more and more the, the wisdom is shared on, on all shoulders and I'm, I'm becoming less and less important. Um, that's fascinating. Yeah, I guess um, kind of branching out to the parents of the students, how does the school, because in the day-to-day -day operation, I guess the parents aren't really there physically for much of the, the time. So how, how does the school kind of ensure that the, the parents are on board and that they're working uh, in a way that's going to uh, kind of work in harmony with what, this, what the school is uh, trying to um, carry out rather than somewhat maybe even undoing some of that work in the, in the time outside of school? Mm -hmm. Well, we have um, talks before, before a student comes to our school. This is important uh, and we explain openly our approach. Uh, uh, we uh, students have um, a one-on-one -on -one coaching every week, uh, based on on our reduced model of, of spiral dynamics, and the parents um, are invited to. They have access uh, to the, the to to the minutes or the protocols of, of the coachings, so um, they they can be part of it. And every second month, we have something we call ITW coffee. So it's uh, Saturday morning, uh, half past 10 to, to 12 o'clock. Um, parents can come to our, our school, have a cup of tea or coffee. And we, we have a presentation of one element of, of what makes our school unique. Uh, so they, they get training in nonviolent communication, they get a training in solution-focused approach, in spiral dynamics, and in integral approach, um, which many of them say is, is important for them in their professional life or within the family as well, because uh, sometimes our students can go home and say, well, you know, uh, if you tell me I should not go out uh, to the right now what is your need behind you saying no so i'm not it's very interesting but it's powerful at the same time and the, sure. the adults need to to uh, they they come to us and and they have um they they, they would like to learn uh, a new ways of communication as well it's not us telling the parents well you know it would be a good idea if you come to us to to learn how to communicate in a proper way but they would like to learn because they see fascinating change, changes within their children. Fantastic. One of the other um, parent-child 
connections. Um, Armin, I'd, I would love to hear this kind of anecdote. You had also shared this with me of the student uh, parent conferences. Mm-hmm. And I think it looks somewhat similar to maybe the, some of the student-led conferences. I know that Brennan has been involved with in the past, and I've tried to bring into some of my own work where you have the traditional parent-teacher interview. The parents come in, and in my execution of it, you know, I've, tr- I've played with having the student involved, sharing some of their work, the student sharing some of their opinions. Um, when I heard your version of it, the length of it, and the structure you provide students with, this just seems like it's the whole next level. You're like the Jimi Hendrix of the, <laughs> the student parent conference. Could you just give us a glimpse into that? Because I think that was a really important connection mm-hmm. between what the school and home life is doing as well. Given the fact that uh, our, most of our students are, have not been successful, so the, the teacher-parents conference is... Uh, uh, is heavily loaded for for the parents when they come, and we learned that if we, with the best uh, purposes, we we were not able to to change the energy completely as we thought it would be important. So we we took the parent teacher student conference um, and designed a tone. Um, is only totally student-led. So the student is the host, uh, welcoming uh, the parents. Sometimes we, we have representatives of, uh, of schools or, or, or uh, outside uh, coaches, people like this. So, and the, the students are, are coached Beforehand, we have a mind map uh, where where it is uh, where where they, a guiding mind map uh, that tells if you if you uh, start welcoming the people and you you don't feel quite safe in taking the role, um, just ask for example for whether they would like to to have still water or sparkling water. And don't bring the water beforehand so that you can go outside the room to, to the kitchen and bring the water and take, take as much time as you need in, in order to breathe deeply and, and come back in your role as a host of the talk. And then um, explaining as a host how, how the talk will, will develop um, in role. And, and then for the, for the first quarter of an hour to 20 minutes the student is talking about um, progress um, what has changed since, since since he or she came to our school or since we had the last um, meeting and if the student gets stuck he always knows that his personal coach is sitting at the table as well um, supporting him or her with questions but not interfering in what the student is saying. Then the student invites uh, the teachers and coaches to to add on what he or she said. Then the student invites the parents to to add and and share their point of view. And finalizing the, uh, after about one hour or one and a half hours, with scaling questions, if these kind of uh, meetings 
can be very helpful, successful, and positive. This would be on a scale at 10, and zero would be the, the opposite. So the student asks his parents, how would you say on a scale from zero to 10 was this talk we just had? And for some, or yeah, for many of, of the parents, it's, it's such a totally different experience. It's, we need handkerchiefs uh, in, in these talks because they are overwhelmed to see what their children are able to, to share about their own personal uh, path and progress. Wow. Um, the theme that I'm getting here is the, the line between school and life, as you alluded to earlier, seems to blur when we reach school as a learning organization or a, a teal school, an integral school, a development transformational school. Um, I don't really have a question here, Armin. I guess it's just like, <laughs> does the school have an idea or a definition of its, of its reach of where you say, no, this is where the school ends and the student's life begins? Or is that always up for inquiry? Well, as every human being is unique, uh, there's not one answer. So we, we have students who, while they're with us, don't show much connection. And as soon as they get out of our school, uh, the first week they're, they're out, you, <laughs> they come back to have uh, lunch with us <laughs> because they know they can come back anytime they'd like and uh, yes it's it's definitely blurred and um, we don't think well this is it it's an evolving process so we would like to 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 work more closely together um, with, with the parents and uh, the introduction in, into professional life we already have a sophisticated program but uh, we would like to do even more on that and what we we started 15 years ago is it's it's really it's really a, a gift to, to work together with a team even though it's it, there are days that are totally challenging <laughs> you're overwhelmed and you know you are not alone in, in our school so, uh, but behind um, there is something like a, a missionary uh, idea to to support public schools in in taking steps towards this kind of of approach, and we share openly what, what we are doing, uh, like as an as an open source, and and. For the last 15 years, we, we work together with other schools and uh, we share, we, we do trainings, knowing that it's not the model or this is, this is it. We know how you should do it differently. We, we share the fascination of what it means to become uh, a learning organization and to, to instill some, this longing in, in, in teachers and schools 
I, I, I kind of had a question there to, uh, you touched on it there of you working with other schools to try and share some of your kind of um, philosophies, maybe even uh, methods. Um, um, some of the people we're going to be speaking to, I guess, are what Rob has kind of defined as hackers. There are people who mm -hmm. are maybe individuals working in mainstream schools who might want to start implementing some more of the kind of developmental transformative philosophy within their own teaching and within their own school. Is there any kind of anything you would say to someone who approached you with that kind of um, question? I think the, the journey starts with, um, with your own openness to, to, to learn, to, to grow, to, to, to find aspects that, that are important to you beyond knowing what is right and what is wrong. And there are tools. Um, if, if you, here in Switzerland, we, for, for the first time, we have in the German speaking part a curriculum then that is overarching all the cantons. So, so we had a, a, about 25 different way, ways, structures of schools. So if you moved from one canton to the others, the, um, your, your child had a totally different school system that was not uh, compatible. So for the first time we have that. And it's a competence-based uh, curriculum. And competence-based uh, uh, sounds nice, but is quite hard to mm. to get into it. And now with this given curriculum, new curriculum, um, there's an option for 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 growth of of, this, of, of teachers and of, of the school systems as a whole, uh, as a whole. So so this would be a, a moment to reflect on what are we doing and how could we find out if we are doing the right things. And what is it then? What is a competence, after all? And we were we are working and since uh, the year 2000 uh, on a competence-based um, framework, and we developed some competence grids and uh, rubrics, and this can these can be very helpful in in order not you as a as a teacher are are just the measuring instance. But there's a, there's a common framework where students can reflect where are where they are at and what their next steps of learning and development could be. And now the role of a teacher becomes more the role of a, of a coach. And this change of becoming more the coach and believing that students want to learn and and have the motivation to 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 to, to face challenges. This is is changing the, the whole approach. And we see it happening in, in, in public schools, or if, if you call it those main, mainstream schools <laughs> as well. This can start within a, a single classroom or with, with a group of teachers or as a school. Sure. 
Because I guess you're talking there about external expectations as well as the internal ones that you... Uh, earlier you you kind of said that you didn't feel the school was meeting the expectations that you had at that point and uh, so I, I guess for a school that has more of an independent nature that it makes a lot of sense but then you have the external pressures coming from government level um, um, I think you kind of touched on a little bit there how you deal with that but I, in, is, is there some kind of level of expectation that your students, when they hit 18, are taking state-wise standardized kind of testing? And, or is, is the nature of your school allowing you to kind of um, bypass or negotiate that system? No, we are, uh, we are an official, official uh, uh, we, we need to, 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 to um, can you say uh, <laughs> we have to to respect the curriculum, the official curriculum? Um, given that we we go be far far beyond that curriculum, but um, sometimes uh, we we have inspectors coming to our school and they want to see whether there there are the manuals uh, that that are a mandatory and and. If the timetable really shows uh, the number of lessons we we should have, um, and yes, um, we do standardized tests uh, um, like all other schools, but we are not um, training for the test. It's a test is a helpful sign that in connection with this outside world that is not functioning the same way as we do internally. Uh, where are you at at the moment, and is that what you what you think is is okay for you? And uh, all in in that age group, your parents are important still. Uh, and in in order to to have options for for your future, um, do you see that you have options, or, or are there changes to be made in order to to have more options for 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 your career, so so we take the these uh, common uh, reference frameworks and 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 uh, our students learn to 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 assess themselves within these frameworks as an additional help to to how do where, where am I headed to and how do I allocate my resources. Sure, that makes a lot of sense because that's one of the kind of key points that myself and Rob keep coming back to. And you you spoke earlier about the school being more of a green, I guess what we describe as sensitivity, almost deconstructivist maybe place. And yeah, it's good to uh, for me to ask that question to schools that maybe at one point felt that way to, well, you can't avoid that kind of ambition mindset. That it, uh, and I just like the way you described though, that it becomes more of an internalized uh, negotiation or reflection process. That, um, that, that seems like a really healthy way to deal with a, a necessity of the system. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I just, the, the last thing I wanted to say was that I really appreciate 
the ways many times you've talked about the vulnerability or the honesty or the the fact that you don't know and you're 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 okay with that and that's important and i think that's a real deep-seated difference to many of the educators uh, I've spoken to and, and, uh, and myself uh, as well in, in certain points. It's something that I'm still aiming for in my own teaching practice and, and in my own life. So I, I really appreciate the, the amount of times you've stressed that point in, uh, in the discussion today. So thanks very much for that. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to um, turn that into a question, which I think is one of these questions that's central to maybe where school is headed. What place does the unknown have within your school? Hmm. Assuming that there's something like a homo homogeneous uh, school self <laughs> um, um, I don't know really I don't know really um, I know that it is important to 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 stay open to to stay to be curious connected to to yourself and to to the people you're working with and you need courage to 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 go on because you don't know because it's not it's not given what the next part of, of your journey will will show so the not knowing is the best place for a coach to be and i think it's it's the best place for for a school to be while having um a, a good foundation in 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 terms of um, willingness and abilities to to deal with the unknown, so professionality is not in giving the answers, but in ha knowing how to deal with not knowing. So, and whenever I I have the chance to to introduce people to our school, I say, well, that's what I can tell you now about our school. But be sure, in half a year, the school will be different, and I don't know where it will be. But uh, the the mindset and the consciousness behind will will guide us. But we don't know what tools, what what changes, what approaches will will be new. But uh, yes, it's a place for individual and uh, collective growth sometimes uh, I, I summarize it like this so, mm -hmm. we don't know where where we will where grow growth will end or <laughs> it's just a fact yes it's important Armin thank you very much awesome yeah. You're welcome. If this episode of Reinventing Education was insightful or useful to you, feel free to reach out and connect to us on social media. We enjoy having your perspective join the conversation about what reinventing education might look like. Feel free to find us on our Facebook page, Reinventing Education Podcast, and join the discussions there.
From Brendan and myself, thanks for joining us.